So. Wait, right off the bat. What? Calm down. You're scaring me. What? I want to tell the people about Uh the London show. Oh, London Bridge is falling down. Uh, London uh, Bridge uh. is fine. But. Tiny bridge, by the way. Yeah, build a bigger bridge. They make such a big deal out of it. It's just like, oh, we. it's like (laughs) a little bit from here to here. Boom, done. Okay, focus. Okay. (laughs) What about London? London show. We're about, I think we're about like 90% sold out. So if you want to go, get your ticket now. Also, by the time this comes out, I don't know how many tickets will be left. We'll be... We're going to be blasting it out on social media. So, yeah, I don't know. If you see this, go. September 4th. Go get your ticket. We're, we're, yep. September 4th at Leist, Lester? Leicester Square. Leicester Square Theater. It'll The link will be in the description. Me and and Be- if you haven't been following us on social media, that's where we've been posting about the thing. Uh, yes. So. But we- we'll also post the link below here yeah. if you want to come see us. It's uh, the, uh, the famous Ben and Emil live show. Yeah. London edition. And now we can actually legally call it whatever we want. So. Maybe next one will be called Pay Pigs Live. Who knows? I kind of like Ben and Emil Live. Yeah, that's true. Me too. I've, I've grown attached to it. Yeah. So we we talked about... Whoa, what's going on with this crunch bar? It's melted in the middle or something. We talked about Mr. Beast last week. And we thought we would get some of his, his rinky-dink little chocolate bars to try. I got to say, so we're going to be trying them in today's bonus episode. Right. So if you want to be, uh, if you want to see us puke or whatever's going to happen. If you want to see Ben get diarrhea, (laughs) if you want to see another thing get added to Ben's list of things that give him diarrhea, tune in because we're going to be doing a live review of of Mr. Beats, Mr. Beats. Humiliating. God. Let's just start over. Let's I'm just gonna, scrap the I'm going to start my own Feastables, and I'm going to be Mr. Beats, and it's going to be all... It's <laughs> no, be but all. you can't call it Feastables, unless you'd call it F-E-E-S-T. It'll be Beatsables. Jesus, God. And it's going to be all healthy stuff, and we're going we're gonna to drive Feastables into the ground. We're coming yeah. for you, Jimmy. We're going we're gonna to spread rumors that these, that these definitely gave me diarrhea. Well, we'll see in the bonus. Yeah, we'll and see if, if it gives me do that, diarrhea. that's a patreon.com slash paypigspod. Also in the description box. And in other news, in case you can't tell, I got a cop haircut. He <laughs> <laughs> did kind of get a cop haircut. Well, <laughs> I just told him, hey, just make it all short this time. I don't give a shit. And he, he my guy made it all short. And now I, I feel like I look like, I feel like I look like Steve Zahn in, in not Blue Streak. No, you know who you look like? What? Um, the guy in Super Troopers. With the mustache. Super Troopers um, mustache. Well, I guess a lot of them have mustaches. Yeah, they, they pretty but, much all but have mustaches. I think it's Kevin. Kevin. No, no, no. I forget. I don't yeah, know I, I know who you're talking about. This one. This guy yes, right there. You look exactly- yeah, that, yeah, I get it. Okay. For the audio listener, I look like a cop right now because I have a mustache and my hair is really short. But I think that I look like Steve Zahn in, in this cop movie. Uh, where is it? Yeah, uh, uh, national security. <laughs> I mean, wow, you do kind of. Look yeah, good. you don't quite have that haircut though. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> it is pretty good. I mean, it's it's pretty close. Yeah, I love Steve Zahn. He's great. He's just he's a he's a he is a national treasure. He seems to be living a quiet life, which I like when famous people do, and just enjoying himself. He was posting, I think it was during the pandemic, posting videos of him and his daughter just kind of dancing on their farm, and I said, "Good for you." He's got a farm. Seemed like it. Damn. I also like I him because his last name is one letter away from mine. Last name. Kanzan. We're practically related. Kanzan. I always like to think between him and and who is that actor who di- died? Khan, um, uh, Michael Khan? No. James Khan. James Khan. Mm-hmm. And then Carl Icahn. I feel like they're all family members who were just like, let's get the fuck away from C-A-H-N. Because this name sucks and it's cursed. And then they're all successful because they changed the name. So maybe you should change your name. No, I'm hoping to buck the trend. Oh, nice. I'm hoping to be the outlier con who who makes it happen. So we keep can, watching this space. Keep watching this space. Can I tell you um, a quick story about how I got big uh, I got big dicked at a at a party this weekend? You damn who'd you hook up with? No, no, big dicked. Like Yeah, like you had sex with someone with a big dick? I mean, you got to be careful with how you phrase things. 
Who'd you get dicked down by? I didn't say that. You said you got, I think I remember you saying, maybe we can roll the tape back where he said, I he got, got big dicked. dicked. Down. You got big dicked. Okay. Who big dicked you? Um, was that a party? Okay. What was the occasion? A baby shower. Baby shower. Okay. My friend is talking to someone. I think I had met him once before. Uh huh. And he, he had this great shirt on. Noticed it right when he came in. I was like, that's a great shirt. And then when he comes over and talks to her, I was going to say something, but I heard her say, I love the shirt. Where's it from? Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, I don't even know. My, my, my mom said it to me and I said, that's a crazy answer. What do you mean? You must know where it came from. Even if your mom sent it to you. Yeah, that's sure. And then so we're all talking for a bit and then he's like, I got to go or whatever. And I said, you know what? It's going to eat me up inside. So I said, I'm sorry. I like the shirt. Can I just. <laughs> I mean, you don't know this guy. No. Okay. So I said, can you just tell us where it's from? And he was like, I don't know. My mom sent it to me. And I'm like, this is nuts. Like, I, if I knew you better, I'd be like, let's get a peek at that tag then. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I left the party and I was like, can you just ask your friend where that shirt is from? It's like fucking. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a it's I it, it'll make sense why. And then she's like he doesn't want to tell you because it's because it's so expensive and he feels self-conscious. Bears. Yes. Wow. And I'm like in my mind I said literally truly what's the most expensive a shirt could be? $200. So I was like oh. if I want to shell out $200 for a shirt, that, leave that up to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I said, look, just tell me what it is and I'll make the decision. So he finally gives me the brand. It's some, it's some brand called like Bodhi. Bodhi, like Bodhi tree, B-O-D-H-I? Bodhi, B-O-D-E. I'd never heard Bode. of it before. I looked it up. Apparently shirts can get more expensive than $200. How much is it? <laughs> they're like, they're like anywhere from 500 to like a thousand dollars. What does his fucking mom do? oh the mom didn't actually send it to him he just bought it himself and then i just had a shower oh oh man yeah these things are they sell them at bergdorf goodman Mm. damn look at this it was but apparently a lot of them are like one of a kind no it wasn't oh wow i I couldn't even find the one he had i think a lot of them bode Man, you should have just kicked his ass. <laughs> no, no. I, well, I was like, Jesus. Christ. I was like, if you had just told me in the first place, we would have avoided all this, and then I would have remembered it, and I would have gone home, and I'd go, oh, I got to look up that shirt, and then I would go, oh, not for me. Yeah. But instead, we had this whole rigmarole. These are very cool shirts, but I could never get away with wearing one. No, of these. no. His that's the thing. His like the one he had was very so, um, subdued. Yes, it, like when I I couldn't even find, I can't I, I've Jesus looked through Christ. them all. I was it a button up? Yeah, I can't find it. What, what, did it just fit him really well, or what? Or was it? No, just it was cool a nice looking? design, but they weren't like this. These are these are like very loud. His was not loud at all. I liked yeah. his. Man, I'm curious if he got. So I looked into the company. Apparently, like the designer Bodhi does like a bunch of custom stuff. These this is pissing me off. These are uh, how do you think I feel? I'm I looking can't at eighteen hundred dollar embroidered <laughs> embroidered autumn quilt trousers, yeah. eight hundred ninety dollar wool trousers. Oh man, I need to, I need to, I, we need to, where's the nearest locker that I can push this guy into? Or are these the women's ones? I don't even know. Anyway, wow. This is, this is a theme for today's show actually, because we're getting we big are dicked. Getting big dicked. We are talking about, we got a great episode for you guys today. We're talking about um, potentially the first trillion dollar pharmaceutical company, the first trillion dollar healthcare related yeah, pharmaceutical company, all about uh, these obesity drugs and an Alzheimer's breakthrough and some other things that that this this company is working on that could that has already made them the most uh, valuable health healthcare related. Company. I also want to talk about some of the the coverage they've gotten. I think it's a bit. I don't know. We'll we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. We got a whole bunch of stuff. Then we're talking about what else? We're talking about. Ooh, Some big critic. shorts out there. The the guy, the big short guy, you know, with the glass eye, who Michael Burry, his uh, his filings just came out. We're going to be diving into that just a little bit. And this senator who also took a big short position in the market is just something you might want to pay attention to. The credit card debt. 
Credit card debt hitting, hitting a record high. We're going to touch on that. And then, and then we'll probably finish with the Barstool Sports ESPN oh, yeah. bet stuff, baby. Uh, ESPN butt stuff? Bet. I said bet. You bet know stuff. I said bet. Oh, well, between the dicking down and getting dicked I said big down, dicked. Getting dicked. I can't remember what you said, but I think it was about getting dicked down no, by a guy I got with big an dicked. expensive shirt. I got shirt. big dicked. Yeah. And you turned around and you were like, just tell me where it's from. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, boy. I will say, speaking of glass eyes, I have noticed recently that uh, my left eye, I think, is, is... Is glass this whole time. No, I think it's a little lazy. Every time I see a photo of myself now, my left eye is just... I mean, it's always been this way, but it's a lot more pronounced now. Recently. I feel that way about me as well. Where it's a little bit closed. It's a little bit more closed than my right eye. Is I feel it? that. I feel mine is that way. I think it might just be a universal... I've noticed... Because I started looking at other people's pictures. I think we... Yeah. People probably look at themselves in a picture first. And you go, what am I? F-? But then when you look at someone else, I think everyone's eyes are a bit. Kind of like how women's breasts, one will be a little bit bigger. I've never seen a pair, but so. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually how it works is as women tend to have asymmetrical breasts. Well, I hope to find out one day. Yeah. Well, you can just Google it. I have that to look forward to. Um <laughs> <laughs> can't can't wait to see my first pair and go wow ben was right oh man or don't don't you know what maybe in the bonus we'll talk about our first breast experiences uh i won't i will I I'll, you know it. me i'll, tell, <laughs> know I'll tell all about it oh boy it was just last week <laughs> so good oh man it's so good okay so what the hell's going on wait wait shouldn't we hit the theme cue the theme song <laughs> yeah So, so, oh man, you know, the the thing that's on everybody's tongue these days, obesity stocks, obesity drugs. That's what's on everybody's tongue. That's what's on everybody's. It's not, it's not chocolate syrup. It's not Mr. It's not Mr. Beast chocolate (laughs) bars. I'll tell you that. I, the more I read about this, the more interesting it's getting because it's gonna, it's truly going to be a disruptive thing. And I think will be a, a major net positive. Wow, for I disagree. For society and for culture. Interesting. Well, why do you why do you think it will be a net negative? Well, all right, so before we even get into that, let's talk about like what the is going on with the stocks and everything. If you don't know about uh what I'm sure you've heard of Ozempic, but it's it's part of a line of pharmaceuticals coming out that <clears throat> that uh the active ingredient is semaglutide. It's uh a, look, I don't know what this means either. I don't think you have to, but a glucagon like peptide 1 but you know the it it basically works to curb your appetite um which they found out was a side effect for this diabetes medication it was it was originally used as a pretty um popular and effective diabetes medicine so and, yeah the 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 peptide is called GLP1 and it's right, secreted that's what the glucagon like right yeah. and it's secreted in the lining of the gut in response to in response to food and it's in the brain so these drug makers were initially interested in it because it plays an important role in regulating blood, regulating blood sugar. And the first drugs were approved in 2005. Right. That's to treat diabetes. That's the lower dose of the semaglutide, which is approved for diabetes. And then Wegovi was the one they started putting out for weight loss and obesity. Right. It's an anti-obesity treatment. And that's made by Novo Nordisk. Right. And then Ozempic, which is also made by Novo Nordisk, is a lower dose, like you said, uh, that's approved for diabetes. But then the FDA, the the big news that is coming out is the FDA is really ex- ex- uh, the FDA is expected to approve Munjaro for weight loss, and that's from Eli Lilly. It's already cleared to treat type two diabetes, 
and it mimics the action of a hormone called GIP in addition to the GLP-1 thing. Damn, dude. When the GIP and the GLP hit? Yeah. It's it's interesting to read about because yeah, it it basically it just it makes people feel fuller, quicker. Not only that, but it, a lot of anecdotal evidence a lot of anecdotes are saying that it makes people want to actually eat healthier too. They they're like turned off by <clears throat> things that they used to love like pizza and fried foods and all well, that. So apparently it's junk. curbing appetite but also suppressing um your yeah, it, your desire for not just food things, people are reporting like less uh desire for alcohol and that kind of thing. Oh, interesting. Apparently it helps with impulse control. These are these are what the early reports are saying. Right. So I was diving in. There's this really interesting article from the Financial Times all about how Eli Lilly is on track to become they they just this week surpassed United Healthcare to become the most valuable healthcare company in the world. Uh, they're just past the five hundred billion dollar market cap uh, benchmark. But so yeah, so just straight from the article here, um, they've had they also had some some big news with their Alzheimer's treatments. So C- Chief Scientific and Medical Officer Daniel Skavronsky said that uh, Eli Lilly was planning to launch more than 20 new drugs over the next decade to sustain its growth and that it wants to become the first trillion-dollar healthcare company. It also wants to expand its uh, pipeline in oncology and develop treatments for underserved illnesses like chronic pain. I also do want to point out, a lot. so a lot of that stuff you're talking about was one of the reasons why, you know how they <clears throat> people were saying that, uh, wow, Eli Lilly, they did the right thing because they decided to cap their insulin prices and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people were saying this was uh, this was in cooperation with the Biden administration because they um, they want to make sure that they can stay unregulated when they start pushing out all these new drugs, uh, and they want favorable regulations. I think I think for things like uh, they want to make sure they can be classified as drugs that will be covered by insurance, right? And right now, like the obesity versions are not, where the di- the diabetic versions are covered by your insurance. Right. Because these a, are expensive drugs. Right. That's a big part of it. Um, but Eli Lilly's stock, I mean, I'm looking at it here from 2020, it was at a low of just about a little over a hundred bucks and it just eclipsed 546. So it's really, it's skyrocketing in part because last month they published the results of a late stage trial showing it's Alzheimer's treatment. These all have such funny names. Donanimab. It looks like someone... Just mash their keyboard. Donanomab. Donanomab significantly slowed memory loss and cognitive decline, and it's expecting to receive regulatory approval later this year uh, and enter the the market for Alzheimer's treatments that's uh, expected to be worth $14 billion a year by 2030, which I would think would be a lot bigger. Like the weight loss, the weight loss market is, I believe, $135 billion a year industry. And Alzheimer's treatments, yeah, I would think would be way more than just $14 billion a year with how many people have Alzheimer's. and Yeah, but think about how many Americans are obese. True. For over 40%. We're like going to hit 50 soon. Yeah. So, That's yeah. business, baby. Right. It is. It's huge I mean, business. so much so that they are, they are conscious of the... Because there was obviously like a shift in the way we think about bodies, right? Probably like a decade and a half ago, you know, body positivity started becoming more of a thing. Mm -hmm. And now (laughs) they kind of have this weird task where they're trying to say, okay, well, we're not doing that anymore. Um, Bigger is not healthy. You need to get on our weight loss drugs. Right. And so they're, they have a, um, Novo Nordisk, the maker of Ozempic and Wegovy, started an awareness campaign about body shame and obesity featuring conversations with plus-size women. The purpose of the campaign is to unpack the complexities of obesity, asking questions and sharing perspectives from the community with the goal of sparking conversations and connections. They want to uh, they want to say that obesity is not a character flaw. It's a matter of health. So they want to like reframe the conversation around this to make sure people are coming in to get treated. Right. Um, so... Well, just speaking of Novo Nordisk, they just released this week uh, a positive kind of 
unintentional side effect almost um here this is straight from their it's it's their it's their trial is called select but this is a direct quote from them people living with obesity have an increased risk of cardiovascular disease but to date there are no approved weight management medications proven to deliver effective weight management while also reducing the risk of heart attack stroke or cardiovascular death uh therefore we're excited to show that semaglutide I think it's semaglutide. Semaglutide, 2.4 yeah. milligram, reduces the risk of cardiovascular events. So it 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 reduce. That's huge. So the fact that not only does it help, um, it helps with treating obesity, but it also helps reduce that other really deadly part of it, which is yeah, reducing cardiovascular events. Um, so, but it's it's not without its flaws. So like, there's this other thing from from the associated press about how when you go in for surgery what do they tell you to do stop eating Don't eat. yes because you run the risk of aspirating you run the risk of having fluids or food particles getting into your lungs so there's a problem with these weight loss drugs where and it's obviously as as these are be, becoming more widely prescribed there's problems that are being made known that otherwise you might not know about which is the fact that for example, in the United States and Canada, these anesthesiologists are saying that they're, they've been seeing um, People growing, puking. No, no. Growing numbers of patients on the weight loss drugs who inhaled food and liquid into their lungs while sedated because their stomachs were still full, even after following standard instructions to stop eating for six to eight hours in advance because the drugs slow digestion. And uh, it looks like they don't even, they, they still don't really know how long there's no there's they've been having people uh they called for the drug to be stopped for even longer about three weeks before sedation because yeah there's uh, there's still food in there as as long as up to 20 hours before procedures when they have semaglutide in their systems interesting yeah so i mean that's just one thing there was a guy a 42 year old man in boston who started taking wegovy had to be intubated and suffered respiratory failure that put him in intensive care and he had he fasted for eighteen hours before his surgery, but he still had food in his stomach. <clears throat> well, so I mean, that's my that's my big gripe with it is that like, so I found a diff, I, I had a difficult time um, finding the negative side effects, and I I think I'm just shocked by seeing these like major publications truly talk about something that I mean everyone knows the saying if if something seems too good to be true. Probably is. I mean, <laughs> right. we all remember Fenfen in the early two sure. thousands that but, gave people heart attacks. But so, I mean, you're just seeing the coverage of like, you know, from the Wall Street Journal. Ozempic settles the debate. It's biology over willpower, and you know, New York Times just weight loss drugs cut risk of health problem. GQ weight loss drugs will be about more than vanity, and you know, like for example, when you go into that, because a lot of people just read headlines. When you go into that, they talk about the, the thing you're talking about. All these like other positive side effects we have. But <clears throat> what they say is many details were missing from the announcement on Tuesday by Wegovy's maker, Novo Nordisk. The company said that the drug reduced the overall risk of heart attacks, strokes, and cardiovascular deaths by 20%, but it did not break out the effects of the drug on each of those outcomes individually. The company also did not describe how much weight patients lost to provide details on side effects of the drug and how many patients decided to stop taking it. So it's like... <clears throat> you know, they're leaving out a lot. They're saying, you know, we've, we've done it. We've, and there's one, so like, and then when you read these things, there was a line from the GQ article. There, there are ongoing concerns about GLP ones specifically regarding reduced muscle mass and gastrointestinal distress. But this latest, latest trial showed, shows these drugs may have implications beyond weight loss. And I was like, hang on, but like go deeper into that. And they have a link to a, to an article about, um, it's from Healthline. Ozempic can cause major loss of muscle mass and reduce bone density. Hmm. And if you read it, <laughs> it's wild. Well, Is it something that you'd be willing if you were obese and had not no other? You tell me if you if you're willing. To Give it to me. While weight loss can bring about health benefits, losing weight rapidly can also cause a decrease in muscle mass, lessen bone density, and lower your resting metabolic rate, leading to sarcopenia, the gradual loss of muscle mass, muscle mass strength, and function. Sarcopenia affects the elderly population and typically is associated with aging. However, rapidly losing weight with GLP ones like Ozempic or Wegovy without the proper diet and exercise can also cause cause sar sarcopenia, sometimes refer referred to as skinny fat. 
mm. at any age negatively affecting a person's quality of life, life by reducing their stamina and ability to perform daily activities such as easily walking upstairs. Well, so they're like, we can make you thin, but you're going to be like a geriatric thin person. And then you're also going to be pretty much. And they say sarcopenic obesity mimics obesity. It occurs when a person's BMI is the normal or low range, but their levels of lean muscle are so low that fat and bones are the only fat and bones are the only metabolically active tissue. Right. And it, I mean, the biggest one for me is the fact that once you stop taking it, it apparently you just revert right back to your old habits. And that's the thing that Eli Lilly is contending with because they're, they're lobbying really hard to get these medications covered by Medicare because they're, they're trying to convince Congress. Well, they're trying to reframe obesity basically. Well, they're trying to, no, well, they're trying to, they're, they're trying to show that the, the benefit, all they have to do is show that the benefits outweigh the negatives in part showing that, Hey, curing, not curing, but remedying obesity in these people will actually save you more money over the long term because it'll reduce things like diabetes. It'll reduce things like cardiovascular events. If you have a healthier population, it's actually going to save programs like Medicare money over the long term. So it, it's part of this re- Treat and Reduce Obesity Act that was reintroduced last month. It was first introduced over a decade ago, um, but clinical initial clinical trials results suggested that uh, Wegovy can reduce reduce the risk of serious heart problems is part of its new momentum. Um, currently, ben- Medicare beneficiaries can access some obesity care services through Medicare Part B. Uh, they can also get services by buying enhanced coverage through Medicare Advantage. But Part D is barred from covering anti-obesity medications due to a 20-year piece of legislation called the Medicare Modernization Act, which is from the FenFen thing in 2003 uh, because it was associated with serious side effects. So their Congress is really paying attention to this and they're really saying that they're going to make it a priority. Uh, but... Obviously, covering WeGovi could mean, as it says here on this Hill article, several billions more in Medicare spending if beneficiaries choose to take the drug, with one study estimating it would cost uh, $13.6 billion if just 10% of beneficiaries with obesity took the medication. And what would that mean for Eli Lilly? A ton of fucking money. A ton of money. Right. And I mean, I think that's the... I think it's They're a- expected to approve it as, uh, as an obesity treatment this fall. But I think, I don't know. And it's a hundred billion dollar a year market um, as an obesity treatment. Uh, I, I know I said 16, 16 billion, but that was a different subsect. Um, and this, I mean, this UBS analyst says, Lily has really struck oil with this obesity franchise who estimates, he is estimating annual sales for Munjaro of $35 billion by 2035. $35 billion a year. Yeah, I don't buy it. I would not go. <clears throat> I mean, wh- I mean, the, so the- they're rewarding the stock so far. It's kind of a wait and see deal. The market seems to think that it's that it's um, that it's going to be hugely beneficial and or not hugely beneficial, but hugely successful. Oh, obviously. Yeah, I but think it's it's like the first thing that came up when I um, was looking for the negative side effects of Ozempic were um, this article what we get wrong about drugs like Ozempic. And I was like, oh, maybe that's going to be critical of it, right? And so I'm like, who wrote this thing? It's up from author Yanni Friedhoff. Okay, Friedhoff, MD, is an associate professor of family medicine at the University of Ottawa. We like that. Medical director of the Bariatric Medical Institute. Great. He has received a clinical grant from Novo Nordisk. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, let's so see. he's funded. <laughs> let's see what this guy getting a fat oh, check man. from Novo Nordisk has to say. I mean, just listen to the way he opens this. Imagine a new medication was developed that not only provided meaningful improvement for the debilitating chronic condition it's prescribed, but also helps to treat and prevent a myriad of other serious diseases. Imagine the same drug markedly improved a person's quality of life with noted reductions in pain and improvements in mobility, Damn. along with increases in confidence and mood. Now this imagine, sounds like a miracle. Drug. I mean, now imagine that the media and me- and medical coverage of its release are almost uniformly negative or sensationalistic. I, I mean, that's insane. That's yeah, just not it, it how not it's been. been covered 
at all. It's been uniformly I think positive. He points a little bit to the fact that people make light of the fact that a lot of celebrities have access right. to it and they're getting a bit uh the people are just poking fun at it. I don't no one's like oh this drug is a miracle and all you guys do is make fun of it. Yeah. Okay, so and then he said this is precisely what has happened with the new generation of anti-obesity medications that began with Wegovy, Ozempic, and with many more rapidly on their way. So, yeah, I don't know. I have a feeling this guy might be, uh, you know, getting more than just a clinical grant. He might get some uh, consulting money or maybe money from some promotional talks. But like he goes on to, he says, I'm going to, so there's so many flawed arguments. Here are the 10 most common. And he says, debunked, but they're, they're not. I mean, so he says, number one, you need to, you need to take them long term. And if you stop, you'll regain the weight you've lost. Yes. That's how the treatments for chronic conditions work. And aside from weight, the notion doesn't seem to bother anyone. And so he's just accepting that. Yes, you do. But they're also reframing it. Right. So now it's just a chronic condition. And, and, uh, I mean, and that's good news for Novo Nordisk, right? You're going to have to be, these are, these are lifelong drugs you'll have to be on now. I mean, cause I can see they're like, it's great for them. They, they have a point that these obesity comes along with a lot of, uh, health issues. And so, but why not help people manage their weight and then move off of these drugs? I mean, I'm that sure that that's going to be up to individual physicians and, and healthcare providers. Yeah, but if providers. physicians are getting kickbacks and doing all this, th- all this stuff to, you know, True. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think it's partly because they're discovering. I'm sure you've heard that like doctors prescribe more of the medicine that they have like a relationship with the pharmaceutical companies and of stuff course. like that. So, I mean. And that's the thing. We're reading an article from a doctor who is like. So you're afraid that it's going to be overprescribed. I'm also, I mean, I'm afraid that like, I I don't know. I find this all very odd. So like the, the wall street, not, uh, yes, the wall street journal article, um, because of this reframing of obesity as like now a chronic condition, I, I don't quite understand what they're like. So they say the obesity is a, epidemic of it's a product of forces old and new that have collided in people human biology shaped over millennia of struggle to find sustenance lives that are largely now lives that are largely sitting down and the abundance of cheap processed foods mm-hmm. that are highly addictive right hard to so, sit down but they don't want to go after that type of thing right so potato chips soda and other cheap processed foods are a big culprit because they are high in calories sugar salt and fat and they're right. hard to put down studies when you say they can't go after that they're not going to go after that what do you mean like go after those like mondelez Take on Mondelez, take on Coca-Cola. Is that what you're saying? I mean, we could regulate our food. We could, you know, we could do a better job of not putting in. Sure. Uh, it's, I mean. We, I mean, if you, if you walk through like your average grocery store in America, it's like shocking. The of things course. that are on shelves. Well, and, so that's actually. Like, pop- I, I don't think other countries are just like fill every product with like I high fructose corn syrup. There is a, there is a, argue, there is an argument to be made for these <laughs> drugs changing that in a way that the government couldn't. Which is yeah, that, but these drugs have horrible side effects. I like I haven't even gotten to the part about like how you know, like people have claimed to be suicidal on Ozempic. Uh, people are getting like stomach paralysis. Uh, you know, we t- we talked about the like sarcopenia, and then I mean, this is from Mem- Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. This drug has been shown to cause thyroid cancer in some animals. It is not known if this happens in humans. If thyroid cancer happens, it may be deadly if not found and treated early. Call your doctor right away if you have a neck mass, trouble breathing, trouble swallowing, or have hoarseness that will not go away. I mean, I like, and so European regulators are looking into the cancer link and the mental health risk, mm-hmm. and like, <laughs> I mean. I, I don't know. It's well, just like, so I mean, and so this seems I like I hear a, what you're saying, but I don't think that that's going to change the fact that the FDA is going to approve it because it seems oh, like I'm not the saying positives. They won't, I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying, yeah, this and seems so, like a dangerous fix and a windfall for pharmaceutical companies where. Sure. And well, you, you now get to get people on a lifelong medicine, potentially a lifelong medicine. Correct. And it's making. It could have, it's already making a bunch of uh, diabetes device makers stocks drop. Dexcom, Insulate, Medtronic, to name a few. Their stocks have recently taken a hit because obviously, hey, if the market is starting to look forward and say, whoa, if these companies are going to be able to reduce diabetes by a significant margin, 
then why are, what are you going to need to invest in uh, diabetes hardware for the, the, the glucose regulators and whatnot? Not only that, but you've got, it's causing analysts to completely upend their forecasts on the food industry. They, the, this is from Morgan Stanley. We believe the food industry will need to address shifting consumer behavior stemming from broader adoption of these drugs, which reduce calorie intake, resulting in lower consumption broadly across food categories, but with more significant effects on unhealthier foods, such as confections, baked goods, and salty snacks. Cited food companies such as Hostess Brands, Hershey's, Campbell, and Mondelez as the ones that are most at risk. The firm, boo-hoo, oh my God, those poor companies. They're not going to sell as many Oreos. The firm also sees the potential for dwindling crowds at restaurants as consumers cut back on trips to fast food chains and coffee shops. Chains like Cava, Chipotle, Mexican Grill, and Sweet Green could fare better as their products include salads and items like chicken grain bowls and healthier options. And this whatnot. is a lot of speculation, though. I don't know. Oh, if yeah. This well, is- so there, <laughs> but then some people pointed, or some, another analyst pointed out that, uh, it might not have that drastic an effect because sometimes the alternative is actually a little bit more expensive, just like how people started embracing oat milk and dairy alternatives. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting over the next 10 years to see how many people, if it's, if it is a net positive, great. And if it, if it negative, if it eats into a mandala, are they going to have fucking diet? Oreos, or I mean, they already have like fat-free Oreos, which are delicious. They're just as good. They really, they really nailed it, man. Diet Coke. I mean, Jesus Christ, come on. But it's interesting that it that it not only makes you less hungry, but it makes the food that you once loved suddenly unappealing. It's wild. And I guess, yeah, I I would hope that it would be prescribed responsibly but i mean jesus look at the opioid epidemic it's it's, i mean sure yeah so but that's the thing i don't understand like i don't understand at the same time saying it's the food's problem and the only solution is this new drug i don't i mean they say like i don't know who's saying that you're just saying it like that we you know the problem is we're addicted to these like high calorie i'm not saying that the problem is we're addicted to these. I'm saying that that's part of what has led to this point is that we have such uh, available. It's available for anyone to consume at any time that goes against our very DNA because we no longer have to like fight for hunting down a fucking deer or a rabbit. It's, it's readily available and it plays to, it plays to a certain Part of, but it also feels like a uniquely American experience, right? We sure. Are, but so, so what is our issue that we need these drugs? I think what they're learning, they're learning more about obesity that it is something that's not. It's not just a matter of diet and exercise for some people. It is, it is a chronic condition, and I don't know if that's something that they're now making up to to make it no, easier to sell to the it- FDA. I don't think they're making it up. I think we are. I think we are all like addicted to these horrible. Of course. I fully agree. Yeah, yeah we are. And I think for some people. But I just feel like the answer being a. More drugs. <laughs> yeah. A pharmaceutical with potentially. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I don't. And obviously I don't know. Cause there's. When there people remains, are talking about thyroid cancer. Yeah. But there remains. Mental be, health risks. Sure. There were stomach paralysis. Sure. If you're <laughs> how prevalent are those things? I would say that if if for the overwhelming majority of people, it causes them to have a better quality of life and to reduce the risk of such things that could be brought about by eating the foods that they were having struggle uh, struggles to uh, to get themselves off of, then that's a net positive that I would much rather have for society than not. But it also makes me extremely uncomfortable, yeah, having it overprescribed, which it absolutely will, because it already is, for things just like vanity, uh, just wanting to lose weight. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. You want to lose 10 pounds? Get on this fucking thing. Like, okay, sure, I guess. But Well, I don't think it's for people who want to lose 10 pounds, right? I mean, I wouldn't put... I wouldn't put it past... Well, I, ma- I imagine, right. That. I imagine if yeah. someone went in and wanted to... yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. Uh, So as we said, about 45% of the U.S. population has obesity and 70% are overweight. 
according to the CDC. But Morgan Stanley isn't baking in an expectation that hurdles to taking the drugs will be reduced over time. Currently, it expects 40 million people have health insurance plans that would cover the medication. So 40 million people. Yeah, I, that's um, that's a lot of people that could potentially have it covered. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I wonder how... I don't know what the FDA's rules say about just how many bad side effects constitutes not having the drug get approved. I would hope that it's if European regulators were were to ban it, but the FDA were to approve it, how would you feel? I would say that the that there's something serious going on there and i would want to short the hell out of eli Lilly and novo Nordisk. oh i don't think point. it would make a difference for i for think the united states yeah i think mm, i think true. it would go on business as usual yeah i, I think that's the i think that's kind of the problem mm. well again i like well the other thing that just has me excited though is the is the alzheimer's thing they're eli Lilly. i know this isn't me like sucking off a, a major pharmaceutical company, but it is, well, I, it was hard to understand what you said. It, it sounded your voice cracked. No, it, it was a bit muffled, almost like you had something in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Eli. Oh, Eli. <laughs> yeah. So no, look, I mean, obviously I'm like, I, I, I'd be, I, I'm hopeful that people who need help can get it. I just, sure. I, I think it's, it's big business. Right. I think I'm clearly. just naturally skeptical of anything. And, y you know, yeah. whenever I see these kind of things, I go, I don't know about all that. And yeah, like, yeah. you look into it and you go, Jesus Christ, I don't know. And yeah. and unlike, you know, Johnny Friedhoff or whatever, I, I don't think that Ozempic is getting like an unfair shake in the media. It seems like, if anything, they're getting a con congratulatory, you fucking did it. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly live in, in unboring times to, to see if I, I, like I said, I'm most excited about if they can make significant leeway with their Alzheimer's treatment, but that's, they've been trying to do that for so long. Um, one interesting thing about Eli Lilly, I learned is that their R and D, their main R and D center is somewhere in like rural Indiana and that is interesting. Well, because a lot of a lot of their a lot of their workers just spend a lot of their they don't they're not distracted by a big city hubbub and they're just they're just working and they're just going to town on these uh Are you saying that are you saying that people in Indiana are not they, they I'm not saying that. <laughs> no, no, dude. Let's, let's unpack that a bit. Well, okay. So, so people this in guy Indiana said their commitment to R&D <laughs> and its focus on areas of long-term internal expertise has been critical for its success. He added that the company's relatively remote location in Indiana means many employees stay for long periods, insulating it from certain external pressures. So you're saying the um how bored the employees are. Yeah, they're just like, we might as well, <laughs> we might as well cure Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But they, they're, he's pointing out how they differentiate themselves from other companies who jump around from, yeah, we're working on an Alzheimer's thing. That's ah, not really working. Let's jump around to this other thing. But they have stayed focused on, on doing one thing. Well, several things, but like they stay focused at it. Um, I did, yeah, I didn't know this. Damn, about dude, I got a. Uh, this whole time, I thought I needed Adderall. Maybe I just need to move to rural Indiana and <laughs> just not have distractions. <laughs> You're no. not going to baby showers where guys are wearing thousand dollar shirts Truly. to keep you uh, to keep you entertained. Yeah, yeah. So, How much could it be? Two hundred dollars. So, if you're looking up, I mean, you look at. Eli Lilly's stock chart, and it's fucking insane. It's priced for perfection. So. It'll be interesting. For Munjaro, analysts have set very high annual peak sales forecasts ranging from $35 billion from UBS to $70 billion by Jefferies before the drug has even been, been approved by regulators to treat obesity. Um, yeah. It's, it's, so then there's the other problem of meeting manufacturing capacity too. And then there's no guarantee that the $1,000 a month cost will be approved by public and private insurers. So... Yeah, who knows? We'll see. 
So anyway, let's we move shall, on. We shall see what happens with all the semaglutide yeah. pumping through our goddamn veins. Uh, I just really quick, speaking of potentially shorting, there. so Michael Burry, the big short guy, had his latest filing hit, but it's a little deceiving because if you read the headlines, it says that he short the market by like a billion dollars, which is not true. Right. It's the notional value of his options positions that are fully he's his options positions. If you remember options are just leverage. So he's his actual positions that he bought are worth, I don't know, 10, $20 million, but the amount of stock that they control is worth potentially one point, whatever billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly accurate to say he's putting on a massive, massive show. still $20 million of put options in the spy in the, in the triple Q's is still substantial. And then I saw that this, uh, from unusual whales, this, uh, this Senator bought some stock in this short, this Senator Thomas Carper bought 30,000. I don't know if it shares, it just says 30 K in PSQ and ultra short, um, triple Q index. And he's been in office for 40 years and shorted the markets many times. And, uh, Senators be buying stocks. Senators do be buying stocks. Sometimes they do be shorting. You know who be buying stuff is U.S. consumers. Can't get enough of the stuff. Are you part of this um, trillion dollar, one point zero three trillion dollars in credit card balances? At no, the end sir. Of the second you quarter? know, you know, I'm a fucking. You pay it off every month. Yeah, me I too. Mean, even earlier, I don't like keeping. The only thing I'll go in credit card debt for is a one thousand dollars shirt. <laughs> <laughs> there was a bit of me that like you know the you know the Marty McFly thing where it's like, what are you chicken? Yeah. As soon as it was like. There was a bit of me that was like, he thinks I can't afford it. I'll, I'll go into credit card debt. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go buy that shirt, you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> like how I bought $1,000 worth of shirts from that fucking company and then their return window was three days, which is insane. And I thought that it was a normal amount, like at least a week. And I came back from the trip I was on only to find, oh, I can't return these shirts Cause it, it's past the three day return window. Fuck you! I'll set your building on fire. Okay. Yeah. I'll set it on fire. I don't care. What are the repercussions? But at least for what's that, the LAPD going to do? At least for that thousand dollars, you got like five shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I ended up selling them on like some. Did it work? Clothing app. Yeah. Some some kids bought it for like fifty percent off. Oh, so kind of not. Really. I still yeah. lost half the money. Yeah, I still lost that. I mean, it was either that or just keep these fucking shirts and get pissed off every time I look at Every time closet. you wear them, just like, oh, this well, fucking thing? Yeah, this fucking shirt. Do you want it? Do you want it? I'll sell it to you literally right Basement now. Basement prices. Basement prices. Um, no, I don't know. It, it, <clears throat> this seems like one of those uh, big headlines that people get in an uproar about, but is maybe not. But no, I, I mean, yeah, there's an argument to be made both sides that, hey, on the one hand, the good side is that people are spending money, right? Which is good for the economy because we are a consumer fucking economy. People are spending money. But on the other hand, with interest rates as high as they are, that means that this credit card debt is going to be a lot more expensive to service. Yeah. And then you've got delinquency. Delinquency rates are apparently back to pre-pandemic levels, but- there's little evidence of actual distress so far. They're saying it's described as a normalization from unusually low rates during the pandemic. Right. That's the thing. There was a huge decrease in right. uh, credit card debt because of, you know, a lot of boost to people's incomes and, uh, and just money on cash on hand. And so like, that's the thing too. They, they talk about the spike, you know, I think we were down to like 700 million in, credit card debt at one point and, and to bounce up Just to about, a trillion yeah. is, is quite a big spike, but yeah. it's a normalization after coming out of uh, the pandemic. And then, <clears throat> um, I don't know, Ben Carlson was talking about how like you're look, looking at one stat doesn't often show you the big picture. And he's talking about how like the economy, household net worth and home equity have all grown substantially faster than credit card debt since the pandemic started. And, um, you know, he, there may be an argument, people may try to argue that like, well, that doesn't take into effect like lower income households and stuff. But he, he says like, you know, total net worth for the bottom 50% was just 400 billion in 2011 after getting decimated during the 2008 financial crash crisis. 
By the end of 2019, that number was up to $2 trillion. As of the latest reading, it is now $3.4 trillion. Damn, dog. That's so a kind big number. Of, uh, all these numbers are rising. Mm. I don't know. Michael Burry thinks, seems to think it's, uh, it's Michael bad Burry news. thinks a lot of stuff. Yeah, Michael Burry. Michael Burry thinks a lot of stuff. He's usually, he's usually early. And, and he was wrong. I he mean, has he been was wrong right. multiple he was, times. Yes, he was right one very famous time. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh man, I guess speaking of senators real fast, everybody was tagging us in the thing about Diane Feinstein falling. <laughs> Pretty weird that that happened. Is it weird? She's yeah. like a thousand years old. Yeah, That's I know. Like- it's pretty weird though. I wonder if she, it was from the top of some stairs. Nobody really knows where she fell. We're not getting any details, but let's just gloss over that part. Other big news that happened this week was Barstool got sold back to Dave Portnoy. For like a dollar. And everybody thinks that it's just him winning and stuff. But it's not actually that. Penn, the 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 gaming company that bought it from him and then sold it back to him. They still have a piece of the pie. If if Right. So part of his deal is if he sells it, if he turns around and sells it now, they're, they're going to get half of whatever he sells it right. for. And there's some non-compete clauses. Yeah, they're, they're restricting him from having a sports book. But I mean, this is... So he has come out and said, I will never, ever sell. Even if I die, I'll transfer it to one of my, I don't know, he said like confidants or whatever. Yeah. Oh, Kooky, the bear, whatever their fucking stupid nicknames are. Hey, Joji. Oh my Joji, God. Joji, you Wait, fuck. Dude, I, I was reading, there was a Vanity Fair article on the- um, Also, give one of the slices of pizza a 10 already. This 9.3 shit is like his highest thing with his stupid pizza- Get over yourself. The the all the names I was reading. There's a Vanity Fair article talking about the CEO now, kind of leading the company now that they're free from this. Uh, you mean you mean Dave Portnoy leading the company? That's not the CEO. Who's the CEO of Barstool? It's a woman. Um, her name is uh, Erica Ayers Badan. Well, she's she's very attractive. Uh, but yeah, no, Dave Portnoy is the founder of of uh. Barstool, but she is the CEO. Okay. Um, what, what does it say? Well, great. You made me lose my place. Awesome. <laughs> so sorry. Because you wrote Dave Portnoy. Uh, but no, I don't know. They were just listing all the people. And I, I was just like, what are these things? Big so cat. The walls are cluttered with TVs tuned into all the sports channels and flags reading Viva La Stool and Saturdays are for the boys. There's a room with eight saggy leather chairs that scream that they've seen some things, each with a microphone at its feet. All arranged stadium style in front of about a trillion TV screens. To the right of them is a fist-sized hole in the wall, a relic from the time one of the guys punched through it during a playoff game. This place sounds like my nightmare. Yeah, it just sounds like a bunch like of guys sucks. hopped up on sports and, and beer each other and each other. Joey Camasta, Big Cat. When I sat down with Kate, yeah, Big Cat, Kate Mannion. The Afghanistan war vet who co-hosts their military. They have a military podcast. Zero blog 30. <laughs> That's a funny name. <laughs> That's a pretty good name. She pulled up her Phillies t-shirt to show me that she was holding her jeans together with her with her hair tie. She's a few months pregnant. Blah, blah. But Mannion came to Barstool, as so many hopefuls do, by way of a photo she tweeted remarking that the calzone she'd ordered looked remarkably like a vagina. The She's going to fit right in. <laughs> the tweet picked up steam and people started tagging Uncle Chaps, a Marine and Barstool who's, I feel like they're making this stuff up. Uncle, Ch- <laughs> a Marine and Barstool host who happened to have a running feature centered around objects that resembled genitals. Jesus Christ. But sounds yeah, like a I, great place. So I, part of the reason why they severed ties is because they felt, uh, Penn felt like it was, well, yeah, they Bad wanted to partner to a, with ESPN, who's yeah. owned by Disney. And, and who has a fucking 10 times bigger audience. <clears throat> right. So Barstool's I mean, only got like 8 million monthly active users or something like that. A lot of people were like, how the hell did how, to, how the hell did Dave Portnoy get his company back for a dollar, right? Well, it, it was it kind of worked out for everyone, right? Penn wanted to do this deal, which they're going to get done. It's a $2 billion deal with ESPN, mm-hmm. right? And they didn't want so and that's part of the like Dave Portnoy and Barstool were a headache for yeah and it was also a headache for Barstool right so every time they did something because the gambling industry is so regulated yes they were just get like 
the stock would take a hit. Yeah. Or it's just like, cause there are a bunch of dipshits who, <laughs> who don't like the rules. Right. So yeah, it's good for Barstool because Barstool doesn't have to play by a bunch of meticulous rules by a bunch of nerds. And Penn doesn't have to deal with the headache of this dipshit company putting them at risk every time that there's a, a violation or a potential right. violation. The CEO talked to it. She said, we underestimated how punitive the regulatory environment was and right. how stringent it was going to be. Really at the core, Barstool is about entertainment, satire, comedy. But she gives an example. One of Barstool's biggest personality, Dan Big Cat Cats, that's the guy you're talking about, Jesus who hosts Pardon My Take, launched Can't Lose Parlay. Oh, the, sh- the show that we steal from now. We actively steal from Pardon My Take, yeah. according to people on TikTok. <laughs> I'm actually a big cat fan. Yeah. I'm a big, big cat fan. I could tell you exactly what he looks like. (laughs) Uh, So he launched Can't Lose Parlay, which to his audience was a bit of a joke because as Ayers Badan pointed out, he is arguably one of the worst bettors of all time and he always loses the parlay. (laughs) The gambit landed (laughs) them in a a regulatory hearing in front of the Massachusetts Gaming Commission who claimed that the name was deceiving customers by using the language can't lose, even though it was very likely that they would. Additionally, as long as they were talking about football in the context of betting, state regulations wouldn't allow Barstool to do shows on any college campus, which is a demographic linchpin for Barstool's growth strategy. And then there was the issue with Penn Stock Dip with each article detailing problems about the bar stool. Why would Penn even get in? You would think that in their due diligence, right? They would they realize would, that they would, would highlight these as potential problems right, right. and not have it cost them half a billion dollars down the road. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Perplexing. That they, yeah. Huh. But on the news of the ESPN deal, Penn stock surged more than 20% after hours. I think. Yeah, it, but they're uh, still, they're still in trouble. They're still not in trouble, but their stock is still hovering at, at, 52 week lows. Um, did you, did you watch, um, did you see Dave Portnoy on that getting interviewed by Fox business? No. It's, uh, was he obnoxious? No, I have to say like, he's not someone I usually see like the annoying clips of him that make yeah. it to TikTok and or Twitter and people making fun of him or whatever. what did he say? But I have to say he seemed quite charming. And like, I think that is probably the, he seems happy. And as, sure. as someone who just bought their, cause he, so he got paid twice for this deal. All right. He initially sold the, he says he made about $500 million for the original deal to Penn Entertainment. Right. So in, in the first push, Penn Entertainment completed its 36% stake in Barstool Sports for $163 million. Mm-hmm. That was in 2020. Throughout 2021, Penn launched Barstool Sportsbook mobile app throughout the US, making it available in 12 different states. In February of 2023, Penn acquired the remainder of the company for $388 million. All to him? Was he the sole owner? I don't know. No, no, because I'm almost positive that... uh, Someone had to have... It was the Chernins. I believe the Chernins owned a large... Uh, I I don't... uh, Yeah, Chernin Entertainment, sure. Um, But yes, he seemed like the guy who was... um, It seemed like a guy who had just got his $500 million company back for a dollar. And, you know, the guy says... uh, the guy says like, well, so what are you going to do with all this? And he's like, well, obviously like I spend my money. I, I, as soon as it went through, I bought a horse for $650,000. You can't hate a guy for buying a horse. I mean, <laughs> you really can't. Um, That's a cool way to spend. I, I know you're like, it's like, it's nice seeing, I, I don't know. I so would not have guessed that that's what he bought. It's nice seeing someone just like, yeah. And Enjoy. he also said that he's not going to immediately liquidate his pen holdings. He says he still believes in the company and that he's going to hold on to it. So he'll probably be a billionaire by the time we're dead. Oh, probably Easily. sooner. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty optimistic about like what Barstool Sports can become now, mm. considering they don't have to, you know, he said like he's there, been tweeting it, it, like the regulated, the regulatory industry, probably not the best place for Barstool Sports. And right. kind of, you know, for the first type for the first time in forever, we don't have to watch what we say, how we talk, what we do. It's back to the pirate ship. All right. Awesome. That pirate ship is, uh, um, enough about them. It's, it's on, they're on the rise and may they not get scurvy. I hope they don't all get scurvy. Just okay. Like, I didn't know you were so, uh, <laughs> out on. well, what else is there to say? Nothing. You apparently. Have, do you have anything to add? <laughs> no. no? <laughs> it just was like, ugh, I'm getting barstool fatigue. What else is there? I think we're at the end. What? <laughs> I don't know. You just what? cut it off and then you were like, <laughs> did we talk about ESPN bet? 
Yeah, they've partnered with ESPN Bet. That's going to be a big deal. Well, yeah, because there's but, how many people? 150 something. I don't think that they're going to be able to monetize those ESPN viewers. I don't think that they're a gambling demographic. Well, I feel like ESPN viewers. What and, do you mean? Who gambles? People who are sports fans. Yeah, but I wonder if I, it doesn't just because you like sports doesn't mean you're active. I guess. No, eh. it, I, look, it's probably, uh, I don't think it's one for one, but I think if you're, if you're seeking out sports gamblers, sports entertainment consumers, sports fans are probably your, your best bet. Yeah. For especially if you in. can lean them in, the, in that direction. <clears throat> and if you're the True. number one, if you're the number one like hub for sports. Can I retract my previous yeah, I Prediction. think you should. But also, so I don't know much about sports gambling at all. Um, Me neither. I don't think I've ever placed a bet Me neither. on sports. Um, but what I've heard is it comes down to, it all comes down to like interface and how well the app and, and site and everything works. It's like, that's going to be the complete uh, make or break thing. For, right. Of course. For newbies like us who would be. But otherwise. not even newbies. I think like as long as it, as long as it's like there's an ease of use and it's clean and people like using it. Right. It's probably going to be really easy to get um, ESPN users over. Start placing all kinds of bets. I mean, dude, imagine checking your scores and there's just like a little fucking, I don't know if Place it'll work like that. Here. Yeah. 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 Especially for the the bets that can be made in the middle of a game as it's still going quarter by quarter or half by half or inning by inning, depending on the sport. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. We got the bonus episode coming up. We're going to try these feastables bars. I'm excited for the crunch one. I bet they're going to taste fine. It says that there's five and only five ingredients. That's pretty cool. That's fine. Uh, we got a whole lot of shit to talk about in the bonus episode. So you'll just have to tune in to check it out. Product of Peru. Oh my gosh. Um, wow. Yeah, this one looks like I thought it was going to be a mint chocolate chip. Nope. Just milk chocolate. But you know it looks that way. Yeah. Patreon.com slash paypigspod. If you want to see us there. Yeah. And uh, love you. Buy, see you a, there. buy a ticket to London if you want to come. Oh, They're yeah. They're going quick. Bye.